the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bulls and even black swans. No, this isn't a wildlife sanctuary. You know what we mean. We are the Biz 1440. KYCR Golden Valley. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. BBC TV correspondent Laura Trevelyan in Jerusalem says foreign aid is now making its way into the Gaza Strip. Aid has begun going into the Gaza Strip. Israel has opened a key crossing and much-needed medical supplies are going into the enclave where more than 77,000 people were displaced from their homes. Meanwhile, Egyptian mediators are holding talks to firm up an Israeli-Hamas ceasefire as Palestinians in the Hamas-ruled Gaza Strip begin to assess the damage from 11 days of intense Israeli bombardment. Israel forced to attack a number of structures where Hamas was firing rockets at Israeli civilians. A 130-truck convoy carrying urgently needed aid was headed to Gaza. Today marked the first full day of a truce that ended the fourth Israel-Hamas war in just over 10 years. This is SRN News. Every day, the men and women of the United States Marine Corps demonstrate their commitment to defend the American way of life. Since 1775, we have served our nation as a force in readiness. From combat operations to humanitarian assistance in every corner of the world. No matter where the mission takes us today or wherever our country needs us tomorrow, we always remember the land we call home. As Marines, we take a stand for each other, for our nation, for us all, the few, the proud, the Marines. I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Samantha Cowell. I'm Staff Sergeant I'm Alex Staff Keaton. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I am proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as Reserve Citizen Airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I am proud to be a member. And I'm proud to serve in the United States. And I am proud to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Is it his time? Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. It's the King Banyan Show, your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. Oh, God, that's all I need. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Let's go while we're young. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back. King Gang Show, the Biz 1440. Thank you for listening. My goodness, looks like it's going to be a gorgeous day today. 61 up here at uh, at the university uh, on its way to 68. Maybe we'll hit 70 today. Just, just splendid. 
Um, 651-289-4477, the number to call with your questions or comments. Um, 651-289-4477. Oopsies. What am I hearing? Hang on a second. For some reason, my phone started to play, uh, play talk talk. Uh, I have no idea why, but, um, uh, (laughs) it's very few times that I would just say, oh yeah, go ahead, play that. That sounds cool. But not while you're trying to do a radio program. Uh, (laughs) We're having a weird day with the uh, with the equipment here. Uh, let me. I'll get back to this to this comment on what the Fed's doing right now. But let me let me give you the setting by looking at this week's data. I often do this during the first hour, but I really want to focus on that. By the way, uh, John Palmer, I've retweeted his uh, post to you. John Palmer reminds me that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders play in Regina, not in Saskatoon. Um, okay, John, I'll tell you what. Here in the United States, I'm not sure we really care. Uh, whatever. Uh, but but um, he's not originally Canadian. He's actually, he's actually, I believe, originally from either Chicago or from Iowa, or across the line in Iowa, but uh, somewhere in that area. He's a Midwesterner at any rate. Just a great, great human. Um, but I will note that on, only that uh, if you look at the data that are there, there's some conflicting information out there. Initial jobless claims have already fallen to this to this low. We're getting back to we're getting back toward levels we used to have back in February of 2020. When that number was running around 200-250, we're now down to 473. But that number was in the millions as late as two months ago. So this number has been falling pretty significantly. Um, but continuing claims of people who are on unemployment staying there is basically flat over the last over the last month. Uh, if you look at the last four to five readings, they're all about the same. Uh, if you look at job openings in 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 March, the Jolts report came out. Uh, it's it's much much higher than was expected. It's over eight million jobs being open in the U.S. Um, hirings were up. Um, hirings were up too, but also layoffs went up. And the number of people who are quitting their jobs is increasing as well. Some of that is because in a tight labor market, people can change jobs fairly easily. So you'll see quits go up. This is basically a way to look at look at uh, the flow of jobs when we do the jobs report, like we did a couple or excuse me last week. Uh, the jobs report's a net number. If you look at the gross numbers, going this is delayed a month. So we're only looking at March data at this moment. But the number of job openings in March went up by over half a million jobs. And the hirings were up, but they were up 215,000. So only we only added 215 hires while we added 500,000 500, openings. So that's, that's a pretty tough place to be. The National Federation of Independent Businesses data is out. It's at a record high says small business owners are seeing growth in sales but are stunted by not having enough workers. Finding qualified employees be, is continues to be their biggest challenge, and it's slowing growth. Owners are raising compensation, offering benef- bonuses and benefits to attract the right employees. That typically works, but let me scroll down to the fact that the retail sales numbers that came out this past, this past week Core retail sales, which takes out autos and gas and takes out the building materials, which we know have been surging, were down 1.5% month over month, which is which sounds terrible until you realize that they had revised up the March numbers to a 7.6% gain. So we had this big gain in March that was revised upward at 76 and then we backed off just a titch to a one and a half, by 1.5% in April. So you're still seeing a surge in sales that's out there. 
um, that's that is still happening. So we're seeing rising prices as we talked about in the last hour. We're seeing rising sales. Okay, over the last two months, even if they're down a little bit in April versus March, and some of the March number was a catch up from February storms. It still feels like that number is higher than it would have been otherwise, and then you and and so you add you you add those things together, and and then the last number that's out there, industrial production, was up four tenths after a three point one percent increase in March. Uh, you can see that auto production was down four point three percent, computers and electronics was up only three tenths of percent. We are now at a capacity utilization rate, which is the way I, I typically have thought about how are manufacturers doing, you know, if I'm looking for where they are relative to where they would have been at the peak. The long-term average capacity utilization rate is typically around 80 to 81, 82. If they're running at 85, you'd say, boy, they're running really hot right now. They're they're using a lot of capacity that typically they probably don't want to run because it's lower it's it's got lower productivity they're currently at 74.9%. There's still room to run in that area. And so I'll go back to something I said in the previous hour as as concerned as I am about where the Fed is right now. If 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 you were to ask me, do you know that inflation's going to run hot for the next for the rest of 21 and 22? I would say I don't have enough information yet. There are near-term forecasts that indicate that it will run hot for the next few months. I think that's evident and I think the Fed even understands that. But I don't think I don't think that it's I don't think that we can know with any degree of certainty, whether or not inflation is going to run much faster uh, over 22 and 23. I don't know that. When I hear people say, well, this is a short-term bout of inflation, but we're still in a, in a long-term def- deflationary cycle, as I've heard people such as uh, David Bonson, John Malden, talk about... Uh, 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 over you know uh over uh, and and many others uh, i that i could name um and and some of you could as well i'm like there is not enough information out there for me to say those guys are wrong okay i don't think they're right i'm concerned that we're we're approaching a long-term inflationary cy- the the inflationary cycle of a longer-term wave but there's not enough data out there for me to sort of say, okay, here's the evidence and why I think you're wrong to hold the view that we're still in the deflationary cycle that existed over the last 20 years. I think you're wrong, but could I prove it to you, to anybody's satisfaction at this point? I can make I can make a case, but it's not the it's not as strong a case as I would like it to be and largely driven by demographics. It would be weird to have a long-run inflationary cycle when we have long-term demographics slipping backward on the one hand. But on the other hand, it would be weird for us not to see increasing real wages at a time when the labor force is getting smaller and will continue to get smaller as additional boomers retire out. I'm sort of toward the end of that, the, the, the end of that cycle, the, the, the tail end of the boomer generation is currently 57, 58. And they're going to start their retirement processes soon. And, and indeed, the pandemic might have encouraged a few of them to step out a little sooner because they just didn't want to be exposed to the virus. And they talked themselves into... Hey, this thing is this thing is going to be, if not a pandemic, it's going to be endemic. It's going to be a little more risky for me to be at work, and I think I would rather not be at work right now. So there's a lot of uncertainty out there, and this is what drives me to be interested in the fact that I believe the Fed seems 
quite quite taken with itself that it's got stuff sussed out. Um, so the summary the summary uh, paragraph at the end of the Waller speech um, so it reads like this. We have said our policy actions are outcome-based, which means we need to see more data confirming the economy has made substantial further progress before we adjust our policy stance because sometimes the data do n- does not conform to expectations, as we saw last Friday, referring to the jobs report. The May and June jobs report may reveal that April was an outlier, but we need to see that first before we start thinking about adjusting our policy stance. We also need to see if the unusually high price pressure we saw in the April CPI report will persist in the months ahead. The takeaway is that we need to see several more months of data before we get a clear picture of whether we, need, we have made substantial progress toward our dual mandate goals. Now is the time we need to be patient, steely-eyed central bankers and not be head-faked by temporary data surprises. That reads to me like they don't they don't know that again it makes me think they have models of what's coming but they don't necessarily believe them and so they're left to to choose through through the you know virtually through you know animal entrails and forecast from epidemiologists who is I love John Podhoretz uh, from commentary who keeps pointing out epidemiologists are not doctors they're social scientists like me who have models like me who do forecasts like mine do who have not had their who've had models who have been proven wrong like mine but like the fed seem to have a whole lot of confidence in them unlike me and unlike the Fed, in some extent, but they're acting like they know what's hap- what's com- what's coming next, and that they're perfectly fine to hold the position they have now. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. Limitless access to business and investment strategy. Listen to the Biz 1440 with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart. Tune in and radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities and invest worldwide. Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. Adapting to the changes hasn't been easy, but never more important to succeed. Many of the digital resources available have helped overcome obstacles your business is facing. But are you using the full potential of every one of them? That's where Salem Surround can help. Your business needs to use digital tools more than ever to stay in touch with customers, making buying decisions right now and for the future. Will they consider or even know about you? The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We'll design a plan that targets and surrounds customers with proven marketing strategies. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundmsp.com. Surroundmsp.com. Connecting you with new customers. 2020 was a challenging year, but things are looking up, including the stock market's performance. But will it last? Hi, I'm Ken Morave, Senior Advisor at Retirement Planners of America. If you are 50 or older, call us today to schedule a free consultation to learn more about our invest and protect strategy that is designed to help mitigate the risk of the stock market. Call us today at 800-375-1159 to schedule your free assessment. That's 800-375-1159. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. 
I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. Business 1440 and iHeartRadio, they go together like pennies and pinching. Listen anytime, anywhere at iHeart.com or with the free iHeartRadio mobile app. Welcome back to King Daniel's show, the Biz 1440. By the way, just a quick side detour, and maybe we'll talk about this more. I'll take, if your interest is, call me, 651-289-4477. The report that uh, Colonial Pipeline paid $5 million to, uh, is it Dark Side? Is that the name of the uh, hacker group? Uh that they paid ransom uh, on the ransomware that shut down the pipelines on the East Coast for a few days. You notice they came back online pretty quickly. It's pretty obvious that they did pay ransom. It's been now widely reported. Uh, President Biden asked about it, provided a no a no comment that was very telling. Um, I thought, um, should it be legal to pay? Should it be legal to uh, pay a ransom? Or should we make it illegal? Um, should it be legal to pay ransom to protect a corporate asset? So the question, Scott Sumner put this up on the econ on on the econ log blog uh, yesterday. Proposed law: Any person found guilty of paying ransom in order to protect corporate assets shall serve a sentence of not less than twenty years in a federal prison. Is this a good or a bad idea? Six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. I have smart listeners. Okay, I'm not even sure I know what the answer to this is. I can see I can see arguments on both sides, but maybe we'll do that. Um, maybe, so if you get a call on that question, Brian, just let me know. I'd be happy to have a a quick conversation about that. But I also want to play this for you. I'm in the middle of reading uh, Mervyn King's and John Kay's book, Radical Uncertainty. Um, it is a wonderful book. And it's why I've taken so much time today to talk about this speech from Waller and, and connect it to a couple of the pieces from the Fed. I don't mean to beat up on the Fed, but per se, I, but I am beating up on them. I'm beating up on them because... At the same time, they're admitting that their models have not worked. They are acting in a way as if they know what's coming next and they know what policy should be. Now, sometimes you do that because you just, in leadership, maybe, you're, maybe your conception of leadership is, is I'm going to set the goal, I'm going to ex- exude extreme confidence that I know where we're going so that everyone else will follow me because I'm a leader and I am someone who has credibility, and if I say this is where we're going, people will follow me. I think the Fed's credibility was built up. The, the, the big down payment was made by Paul Volcker. I think Greenspan, on average, increased its, credi- its credibility on net. I can give you a couple times when he, when he drew down its credibility, I can give you some times when he increased its credibility. Okay? And when I speak well of Ben Bernanke, um, I will say that was a person who spent more time thinking about how the Fed communicated in a credible way than I think any Fed of, Fed official before or since. Um, 
I too did not agree with every action he made, just as I did not with Greenspan. But I do think I do think he did better with that. I am concerned that the Fed is tossing its credibility to the curb because I don't think they know how to express the uncertainty. I heard this yesterday in a conversation on Bloomberg TV. I took the last two days off and actually had um, had TV playing in my uh, had TV playing in, in my kitchen area. Probably my wife was distressed. She says, what are you doing? She says, I'm actually watching Bloomberg on my on my iPad for a couple hours just because I always want to know what it'd be like to be to, to do this. I could tell you I'm not going to do it long term. But one of the things I heard was this piece by this this interview. It was a this is a pieces of a longer 13 minute interview with uh, Mohammed El Arian uh, done by uh, Jonathan Farrow on uh, Bloomberg just uh, just uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, excuse me, on uh, Thursday I believe. Um, and and I thought this was really fascinating in that the Fed is communicating its uncertainty, but it's uncertainty, but it seems to have put all its chips in one basket. And El Arian does this, does a very nice job of trying to explain this. Uh, let me play. Let's, let's play through this. Cut number four first, please, Brian. We are in the marketplace. I think the Fed as yet hasn't. It is absolutely convinced that there is just one outcome. So its baseline is having a very high probability of materializing, whereas the marketplace is starting to think more in terms of a distribution of outcome that's tilted towards a hotter economy than what the Fed expects. Now, I've read both, or I'm in the middle of reading, as I mentioned, Mervyn King and John Kay, Radical Uncertainty. I highly recommend this book. Another book I recommend highly is by Annie Duke. If you happen to watch uh, watch poker uh professional poker on television you may have seen her she's a professional poker player but she was a a a doctoral student in in psychology and she wrote this and was researching probabilistic thinking and then of course she ends up applying that to applying that to poker and now it's gone from that to applying it into management has written a book a few years ago called thinking and bets i believe she's in the middle of working on on her next book if it's not out already it may I may have missed the publication I'll have to go look later but I read thinking in bets when it first came out um because it was rec- I I heard a, a podcast with her and 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 was just blown away by her way of saying the way to get people to think about how whether or not their decisions are right or wrong is to get them to say would you be willing to bet on that how could we get the Fed to bet on whether or not, how could we get the Fed to bet on um, inflation going at 3 to 4%? What kind of bet would we make? Because they, this is what's meant right now. The Fed has not hedged its position on its main case. Its main case is that inflationary expectations are still stubbornly below 2%. They're not going to get off 2% unless we run the economy super hot for quite some time. And that we're going to run it well above 2% and that inflationary expectations we we believe can stay at 2%. Al Arian actually makes the very same case that John Palmer made in the in the in the uh, in the in the blog that I I tweeted to you in the last hour at pound KBRS. He makes the same case about being outcome-based rather than forecast-based. Cut number five. No, that's new, John. Remember, we used to be forecast-based, which would allow you to course-correct as you saw information come in. Now, the Fed on this new monetary framework has become outcome-based. And when you are outcome-based, you don't course-correct as you go along. You wait for the outcome. And what the market is realizing now is that there's a downside to being outcome-based, when there are structural changes going on. The big message of the huge data miss, be it on Friday or yesterday, is that when there are structural changes going on in an economy, 
it becomes very difficult for economists to forecast with any degree of accuracy. And the Fed agrees with that, Mohammed. right? The Fed is saying, look, we don't forecast well. Our forecasts have been wrong. What we thought was a 2% inflationary expectation, we've missed, and we've missed it for the better part of a decade. So we're throwing that in the trash bin. Well, we won't throw in the trash bin, actually. We we still have our models. They're still running their models. Um, uh, they still hire research economists by, by the bushel full. And they still publish papers that I can still go read. But they're not using those models right now to decide what's happening in the economy. And what what it seems to me that Muhammad is asking for is that they somehow build a new model that takes into account all these structural changes and then says, yeah, but these are structural changes. They're really hard to forecast. And, and what he's upset about is the fact that the feds basically said, throwing their hands up in the air, you know, like that, that emoticon that we all use when we're texting people. I don't know. Could go this way, could go that way. We might as well just wait to see what happens. And the market is saying, no, no, no. You actually have to work with us to tell us what you think the forecast might be and then express it in terms of this uncertainty. In terms of this uncertainty. I'm going to come back to this. I want to apply the the, the, the Mervyn King, John Kay approach of radical uncertainty to this. We'll do that right after these messages. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. Star that never was in the sky And now I see this star is on the earth And I am happier than the morning sun Well, I moved into the house in uh, the summer of 2018 and the siding was terrible. Hi, I'm Dave from Matami Dive. I got a hold of JTR through friends. It almost looked like a giraffe. There were dark stains where the water had saturated the old paint that was on it, but there were other things that needed addressing, and uh, there were a multitude of things from putting doors in and railings and, and doing some electrical and things like that, all of which JTR gladly folded into the contract and took care of for me. It was an amazing transformation. In fact, my brother-in-law, who had visited before we had the siding done, when he came back about a month after it had been done, he stopped out in front of the house and called me and said, what's your address again? Because he couldn't believe the difference. Contact JTR Roofing now for your siding, roofing, and window needs. This is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, MediShare is waiving their new member fees. This could save you money on top of all that you'll save each month by becoming a member of MediShare. So many people are looking for a healthcare solution right now, seeing the cost of COBRA plans, for instance, and MediShare is the affordable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves $500 a month. You might save even more. MediShare is a Christian community that shares each other's health care costs, and because of the current economic situation, they're making it easier than ever. Apply by May 30th, and you can save an additional $170 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second, and if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to receive your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch like more than 400,000 people already have and start saving. Here it is. Call 844-94-BIBLE. That's 844-94-BIBLE. 844-94-BIBLE. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into 
to one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. One comment uh, on the uh, question about Colonial Pipeline. 651-289-4477 if you want to talk about it on air. Uh, Ken in Champlin uh, sends sends this note. Uh, I would think support for laws against paying ransom to protect corporate assets would follow along the uh, same lines as support for anti-price gouging laws. Um, yeah, eh, possibly so. That's an interesting, that's an interesting look, uh, interesting, uh, uh, comparison. Um, let me, let me see if I can get you to think about this, this, uh, uh, point. We, has the economy suffered a shock? Well, of course, right? Suffered a bit, right? And one of the things that I think is certainly true that we're observing is that we will not go back to for some time. We will not go back to what exists in February 2020. I understand that people are going to say, well, GDP and maybe in the second quarter or the third quarter will reach the level it was at in the first quarter of 2020. Employment at some point when the 8 million jobs are back will reach the point it was at in February of 2020. At some point, those things will happen. I expect. But they won't be the same jobs. And they won't be the same people. And that change, when we have people in the 55 to 64-year-old age cohort decide to retire at higher rates because they decide exposure to the virus is just is more risky for them than the average you know 30 something employee 30 year old employee so they're going to leave the job for them guess what i hate to break it to you 30 year old but that 55 year old is more productive than you are they know stuff that you don't yet okay my best best thing I say when someone says, what's the best thing about having somebody as an associate professor? I said, well, the best thing is they'll keep learning stuff and someday they'll be a full professor. They don't all, but many do. They'll keep learning stuff. They'll keep writing. They'll keep working on their teaching. And someday they'll get to be a full professor. Now, will they become deadwood then? No, you hope by then that they've developed the habit that they just like doing what they do, what they've done for the last 10 to 15 years, and they'll just keep doing it for the next 30 or so. Those are my best folks, right? They'll keep doing it. It's great. But the, the economy has no, no doubt changed. And how it's changed, I think we have to figure out. I do not know how many people have looked at, gone through this experience with what happened to their schools, families with children, and say, you know what? I think we've decided we're going to have one parent home and we're going to homeschool or maybe put them in a pod where I'm going to work part-time. We don't know how many places are going to have full-time workers versus part-time workers. We don't know what's going to happen to malls. We don't know what's going to happen to office buildings. Okay? I saw some report that, that sort of said with a degree of certainty that I couldn't quite grasp why they were saying it this way. Businesses will now be having people come more often. We'll be having them come three days a week and stay home two days a week, but we'll have them all there at the same time. They will be, they will be collaborating when they're there because the, the time that they're in the office will be collaboration time and meeting time, and the time they're at home will be focus on work time and not so much on Zoom. And they said this will be 
they're going to need larger office buildings, but because they're only in three days a week, that's 40% less lunch traffic for the restaurants in that area. I'm like, that's a fabulous forecast, but how do you know it's right? So Mohammed El Arian, as I mentioned, was on Bloomberg Television uh, and is being is being asked to work through the fact that what why is it problematic that the Fed now has gone to this outcome based model and he's comparing it to how businesses are thinking about it right now, thinking about it in terms of keeping themselves with a much more open mind. Listen to this. Cut number six. So we have to have an open mindset and a lot of humility. We have to recognize that we have to think in terms of a range of scenarios and not get become hostage to a single baseline. And we have to be able to, to course correct. You know, this is the lesson of the mm-hmm. past when you have big structural changes. That's the lesson. We have to be able to course correct. And I do not see it. I do not see any other way out of this. I'm supposed to, I'm engaged right now in trying to plan. What are, what are my goals for next year for my school in this in this university? Now I can tell and I have a big meeting on this on Wednesday. One of the things I'm going to say is basically what you just heard in case anyone's listening from from the university. Here's what I'm going to say. I need the ability to move on a dime. I don't know what's going to happen. All of the momentum right now is toward, hey, places are being reopened, lose your mask. I've seen ads, uh, I've seen restaurants who are in bars that are sponsoring, bring your mask in, throw it into the fireplace, and we'll give you a free appetizer or a free beer or something like that. I'm not burning my mask. Not that I not that I fetishize it. I don't love it. I don't like wearing it. I'm looking forward to being being out without it and actually being able to see the face of the person I'm talking to. But I don't know what's going to happen next. I need I think we need a little bit of humility and I think that we so we need to and and, and El Arian goes on to build this options. Talk cut number 7 please, Brian. What you hear over and over again is this notion of resilience, this notion of optionality, being able to change your mind, this notion of agility, being able to move quickly when you have clarity. But they they are much more data dependent than policymakers have become. Policymakers now are focused on a destination with a degree of conviction, Tom, that isn't matched with foundation and evidence. And that's really unusual in our recent economic history. That. That focus on the endpoint is in fiscal policy in terms of passing trillions of dollars worth of additional spending, some of which seems to be, seems to be sort of we're insisting on paying for it with taxes on a particular group of people. Um, some of it clearly going to be paid for through deficits. And a Federal Reserve that hasn't not only hasn't told us when it might move interest rates he hasn't even bothered to tell us what it might do in terms of uh tapering the um, the 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 expansion of its balance sheet it's still adding 80 and 40 and there's not a mention of that there's not even a mention of that in governor waller's comments there wasn't a mention of it in the jim bullard speech there wasn't a mention of it in anything i've seen in the last since the since the since the Jay Powell press conference, no one's talked about what's going on with the balance sheet. It's all moving in one direction. There doesn't seem to be anything moving them in the other way. All I get is, well, we're going to actually have to see the results before we're willing to move. Okay? I, I, I'm not hearing the, well, if this happened, then we would do that. But if that happened, then we would do this. I'm not hearing that from anyone. And this is the this is the problem because the way I think we want to think about it is thinking in terms of there's a 40% chance of this, 20% chance of that. I use in my forecasting class often I I'll say to them, when you he- read the morning forecast, heck, I'm going to open up my phone right now and I'm going to look in here. Uh, I'm going to look in here for my look at my Look at my information. 
Uh, today it says 34% chance of rain. I look outside right now. There is, there's not a cloud out there. And if I tap to see what it's saying, it's saying, well, it's going to be mostly cloudy between 10 in the morning and 4 in the afternoon. But it's not saying any rain, but it still says 34% chance of rain. We might get surprised. But what does that mean? What does the 34% mean? I ask my students, and they're like, do you know what the, do you know what the meteorologists say? They'll actually tell you that if they, it's not like you can have, well, there's 100, there's 100 todays out there that we've sampled, and in 34 of them, rain happens. That's not where the 34% comes from. It's not like predicting cards. It's not like predicting. It's not like predicting uh, uh, cards or uh, uh, roll of the dice or your lottery or anything like that. It's not a game of chance. Radical uncertainty means things that we simply cannot possibly expect. Right? Can you actually set a probability on a on a variant of COVID? that would actually increase the, the uh, infected fatality rate by 50% from, say, now it's like 1% to 1.5%. And what would that do? What's the likelihood that that's going to happen? Here's the point that, 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 that uh, Mervyn King and John Kay have is you simply don't know the answer to that. There's no way to – whatever number you write down is uh, – we've used this term before – a scientific wild guess. And I did skip a word because this is a Christian station. You have nothing by the guess, and this is what's happening. Someone, someone's just writing down a number. And the Fed is writing down numbers, but they're saying, well, we don't know that we can trust them, so we're just going to wait and see what happens. But while we're waiting to see what happens, we're going to keep, while the economy is growing at 4, 5, 6%, Maybe it's going to grow by 8 9% in the second quarter. While it's growing at that rate, we're going to keep the interest rate at zero. We're going to keep expanding the balance sheet by $120 billion a month because we, we, don't, we don't trust our own forecast. That is, as they used to say, a heck of a way to run an airline. We'll be back after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. The Biz 1440, KYCR, Golden Valley. This is a potter's field. When people can't pay for their funerals, they are buried here. It is a lonely, desolate place, littered with unmarked headstones. No one visits. No one leaves flowers. But it doesn't have to be that way. For as low as $1 a day, you can ensure your family will have the money to pay your funeral expenses. We offer burial insurance plans that pay up to $30,000. Considering the average funeral costs more than $10,000, that's peace of mind for your family. There are no medical exams, your rates won't increase, and your policy cannot be canceled as long as you make your premium payments. Call now to get approved in minutes and ensure your final resting place is more than just a pauper's grave in a potter's field. 800-323-8137-800-323-8137-800-323-8137. That's 800-323-8137. Paid for by Final Expense Direct. Does your office need a little TLC? Do you notice your bathrooms are a bit smelly? Are the surfaces in your break room a little sticky? And isn't that the same coffee spill on the floor and chili splatter in the microwave from weeks ago? If so, I've got the solution. Hi, I'm Tasha, owner of Forever Cleaning. We're family-owned and offer affordable, reliable office cleaning all over the Twin Cities metro area. So if your office is screaming for help, call me today. Let's get you scheduled for your free walkthrough so you can receive your free quote at 763-807-9817. If you mention this ad, you will receive 15% off your first month of service. Again, call 763-807-9817. Or you can visit my website at forevercleaning.com. That's the number four, evrcleaning.com. Remember, Forever Cleaning is so thorough, you'll wonder if your mom snuck in overnight and cleaned. 
Now's the time to start thinking about your spring home improvement projects. Sandow Construction can give your home curb appeal with new siding. Sandow Construction is celebrating 30 years with a special offer. No interest on your project paid in full within 18 months. Minimum $5,000 purchase. Visit SandowInc.com for details. That's S-A-N-D-A-U-Inc.com. Call 888-534-6898 for details about credit costs and terms. For new accounts, the APR for purchase is 28.99% subject to credit approval. There's a ton to explore at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. Like the biggest savings around at our half-off deals tab. Click on programs to see our daily lineup. Win prizes at the VIP fan club. Catch up on your favorite podcasts and more. Cool voiceover. Zany sound effect. We were going to write something flashy about streaming us at Radio.com. But considering how easy it is to do, we'll keep it simple too. Listen to the Biz 1440 on the free Radio.com app. We were driving uh, yesterday somewhere, and um, at a stoplight, there were two young people, I think both, both young women, in the car next to me, windows down, singing to their radio, or to the, to the tape deck, or I guess they're not tape decks anymore. I still think it was tape decks. Their CD player, or, or streaming, or whatever it was, and I thought to myself, oh, it sounds so normal. That song that you just played, Brian, I'm pretty sure if I went back about 45 years, you could probably find me singing that in a car, listening to it probably on an 8-track. Um, because, um, I don't know if I've ever told this story, but uh, I used to set up at uh, county fairs and flea markets, and my parents my parents were antique dealers, but they also had a little side business stocking um stocking uh auto dealership not auto dealerships but auto garages mechanics uh um and repair shops with um with tools uh automotive supplies and then they also set up the ability to purchase directly from that place uh, eight track tapes that had been produced by somebody other than the uh, label that signed that person, signed that band. Yes, they were bootlegs. We sold bootleg tapes, bootleg eight track tapes back when I was a teenager. Um, I think I can admit to it now because I think the statute of limitations is gone, and both my parents have gone to their reward. I hope hope that they do not suffer the eternal fires for doing so, but I am pretty sure I had that on an eight track. Um, so that was cool. Um, so I not, I've heard, uh, uh, <laughs> I've seen some great, uh, I'm seeing some, uh, some funny comments on uh, Twitter about, uh, our question. Would you pay ransom or not? Again, I uh, tell me how different this is. The governor of Ohio, uh, Mike DeWine, um, Republican, has put out a, uh, a plan to encourage people to get vaccines. He's basically said, if you come get the vaccine, you're going to get you're going to get a, a, a reward for for your for your time here. Um, let me let me see if I can find find the uh, column that I had had this in. Um I, I've lost my I've lost my my spot here. What happened here? Uh, yes, here it is. Mike DeWine says, two weeks from tonight on May 26, we'll announce a winner of separate drawing for adults who have received at least their first dose of the vaccine. This announcement will occur each Wednesday for five weeks. The winner each Wednesday will receive one million dollars. The pool. OK. Uh, so <laughs> it turns out uh, there. That to win you must be, uh, to win you have to actually have received the vaccine. You must be 18 years of older. Uh, you must be registered. You must be registered uh, with the Secretary of State's office in the uh, voter registration base. Um, that and and said so it would do that, right? Money creates incentives, and so the reason why you would not you would not want corporations to build ransoms is you give. 
Okay, just as anyone that reads a reads a Mitch Rapp novel would know, uh, or or any any good uh, spy series novel will know. When you offer to pay a ransom, you're encouraging the terrorists to take more hostages, right? So should we be paying for that? It's interesting that the way that was framed by uh, Scott Sumner, who put up that question, uh, is that is that if you pay, if you're paying ransom, would you pay ransom on corporate assets versus your daughter, right? Since we can't all be Liam Neeson and hunt them down, maybe we just send them some money instead. Um, that would strike me as a as a possible way to solve the problem, but. But, you know, it's a it's a matter of should we use cash for incentives? Yes or no. And it's interesting to me that 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 as an economist, I know there are many times where I'll have people say, well, we shouldn't be using cash for this. We shouldn't be using cash for that. Here's one more example that Brian Kaplan gives that I that I absolutely adore. Okay, I have a I have a six going on seven year old grandson. Um, mom and dad want him to start participating in the house, in the, in the affairs of the house, which means picking up the room, clearing dishes from the table and things like that. And so question comes from, comes from the parents. I don't remember that you paid us to do chores at home. And I said, no, I didn't. Because what I did was I just gave you an allowance because you get to have a piece of the income of the family. You're a member of this family and you're entitled to a piece of that. And because I'm your parent, I can allocate it as I see fit. So most of the money that's being allocated to you is going to your college fund. But every week I might hand you a few dollars and say that's your allowance. And I didn't make a contingent. Why? Because I never wanted my child to look at things that need to be done at the house and think how much could I get paid for that. I want him to think as being a contributor to the household. And I hope what I did by that was actually make them more willing to contribute when they're the key, when they're the household. Uh, may not have worked. It is just interesting to me. So should corporations pay? I, I don't know. In my mind, I think I would have a, permitted it I, I i don't think i'd make it make it illegal for them to do so uh but i do think it's illegal to ask for a ransom and and should remain that way um anyway thank you so much for listening today appreciate it thanks you for all the comments on on twitter yes happy no mass day everybody and we'll talk to you next week here on the king banyan show on the biz 1440 Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-555-2085. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes, are overweight, or have high blood pressure. Term providers help thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-555-2085. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-555-2085. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800 555 2085 800-555-2085. Hi, this is Matthew with the Kingdom Builders. I've been thinking lately about the biblical principle of headship. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3 says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. One way to think about headship or authority is like an umbrella. If you're under a good authority figure, it's like standing under an umbrella during the rain. It's your job to stand under the umbrella, and it's the umbrella's job to protect you from the rain. Biblical authority is like a good umbrella. It won't leak or move, and it provides shelter. 
Our job as believers is to submit to biblical authority figures God has placed in our life, as long as it doesn't go against God's Word. Here at the Kingdom Builders, we don't sell umbrellas, but we do install shingle roofs. If you have a roofing need or want to talk about God's Word, please give us a call at 612-900-9166 or look us up at thekingdombuilders.com. Did you know you were kicking in your mommy's tummy before you were born? We were? Yep. I just learned at school that babies move and kick before they're even born. No, no wonder we're so good at soccer. That's right, kids. A pre-born baby is moving about and even kicking just 14 weeks from conception. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of information and alternatives to abortion, or you'd like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, Please call 1-800-366-7773, 1-800-366-7773, or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-life. 